You're listening to Under the Shell Podcast, the best in America. Welcome to the season finale of Under the Shell. I'm Brendan Weissel. Sam Jane. Michael House. Today, folks, we're bringing on another women's basketball player, this time a current one. We're talking with sophomore Bree McDaniel, who is emerging as a star in this season's early Terps 7-3 start. Take it away, Bree. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time during finals week, especially. And you guys got a game. We're recording on Monday, so they got a little quick turnaround here. Um, you know, how's your body feeling getting ready for another game after planning on Sunday? Um, it feels it feels better. Um, just a little sluggish a little bit, but I did some treatment today, so feeling a little bit better and uh more myself, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> For listeners of the show, tell them a little bit about your journey to Maryland, because from what I know, Maryland wasn't initially where you were going to go. You were first <laughs> go to Texas A&M. There's a little bit of a coaching change, and you ended up at College Park. So kind of how did that whole process go down? Um, So basically, uh, I found out that um, Texas A&M had a coaching change. Uh, I was planning on staying, but... Um, we just decided to go in a different direction. Um, so uh got my papers clear. Coach B was the first uh coach to get me on campus and call and get my papers released. So came on campus and um just really loved it here, just seeing like how the team the team was and how how and where Maryland was like years ago and still was being who they were so just seeing them um I was like I can see myself in this and just like before I even made the decision um, just really was kind of scared because like I didn't want to make a wrong decision but my mom and dad just told me to sleep on it uh and I wasn't really having like good nights of sleep due to my grandfather passing away it was really like a rough time so when I was able to sleep through the night, I knew it was a sign from God and my grandfather. So I was like, yep, this is the right food for me. <laughs> and I, I mean, me and Mike know about this, but again, for listeners who might not, you know, you're very interested in like veterinarianism and, and agriculture veterinarian. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about, you know, how much of Maryland's program came into effect and then having the farm that's on Maryland's campus right by Xfinity. Like how cool was that for you to be able to see that? Uh, it was fun. Um, my family has a farm in Tennessee, so I would go out there and visit them sometimes. So being able to have a farm, like literally five minutes from where I live and then two seconds from where I like play on a day-to-day basis, it was kind of fun. And just to ride past and see all the animals, the baby cows, the horses and stuff. So, so it was it was a great experience and it's really fun being able to like ride past there and see all the animals. So take us a little bit about what you've kind of seen from the team this season um obviously a little bit of a shaky start partly because of a strong a really strong schedule but also you know you guys didn't really look right what was going on in those losses to UConn and, and Carolina and then um Washington State like what did you see uh you know being around for two years now and you've played tough schedules back to back what was the biggest difference I feel like the big difference was um we were still trying to learn how to play to get play together uh I feel like even though like we had the summertime to like play together, I feel like we were still like had some some type of injuries and some type of like 
ups and downs that people couldn't like control. So like we had to like work with what we had. So now that we learned how to like now everybody's coming to play together, it was kind of like a hard start. But like once we start coming into practice on a day on every day, coming in with a like a mindset to get better and just trying to fix our mistakes that we set in the last games. Uh, we just came in, worked harder, uh, watched film, took it took film from practice and just like executed and just played our game and went back to Maryland basketball. Tell us a little bit about the team retreat you guys took in the off season. We were talking a little bit about, you know, new faces on the team and all that. How did that kind of get you guys to mesh and come together as a new group? Um, I felt like before, even before the um, retreat, we were very close. Um, we like talked every day, hung out, call each other if we like wanted to hang out or do stuff. So I felt like we already had a tight bond, but just hearing it, hearing what people went through um, before they even got here, just knowing like all the things that they went through make you like understand and respect the person even more. I feel like just sitting down and not just, um, just hooping, then I feel like just, just hooping, you're really not really getting to know people. So I feel like us taking a retreat, like how we did last year and this year, um, I felt like it was very like a a good thing for us because like we 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 understood we understood everybody and um, learned them from a, like a different point of view. So yeah. So you you're the only sophomore on the team or freshman that's that's left over from last year's team. Yeah. What do you- what do you do? What does that mean to you? Were you close with the freshman class last year? When you were you surprised when kind of you were the only one standing? Uh, I was surprised. Uh, I am close with some of them. Uh, me and Gigi still talk. Um, it it was just like very like eye opening, and it was and it was like kind of hard because like those were the people I came into school with, and I was thinking like maybe me and them were gonna be together for our four years, but some things change and, and people want to go in a different direction. It was kind of like tough to like only be the only freshman left, but sometimes you just gotta think, think of it as a good thing. And like from your standpoint, when it comes to basketball, but it, it, I felt like it wasn't really like a drastic change for me, but I like definitely did wish like some of them, well, I wouldn't say wish, but I would say like, it was kind of like, different not having like somebody in my class <laughs> yeah yeah it's got to be weird i mean just to kind of yeah because like everyone say freshmen then they say sophomore juniors seniors super seniors like i, I just be like oh well the only sophomore <laughs> all right it's <laughs> good so what's kind of like what's the vibe like what's the biggest difference in terms of your chemistry on court stuff you know, this is like, you know, just let it all out. Like in terms of last year to this year, like what are you seeing in terms of the team, the vibe around the team, maybe basketball stuff and then off ball, off court stuff as well. Uh, With basketball, I feel like between last year and this year's team, I feel like this year's team are is willing to listen more and to like hear from people's point of view. Um, Like even though we do have like, oh, I'm sorry, have moments where we're just like, uh, no one hear that right now. We are still come back to it. Like we were, like we're able to come back and talk to each other and see what we seen and like what we didn't see. Uh, we do like 
end up seeing the play in a uh, film. So like, we're going to have to talk about it either way, but off the court, I feel like we, we spent time with each other more than we did last year. Um, like, even though when, when we did spend time with each other last year, we had, we had fun, but this year I feel like once everybody texts in the group chat, Oh, you guys want to do something today? Almost everybody is responding and want to do something. So I feel like just having that bond to like having something off the court and not just when it's on the court. So I feel like it was like this year we're more like friends than everything, than anything. So, yeah. Have there been any specific people on the team who are kind of leading some of those social interactions outside of the basketball court or has it kind of been a community effort? Uh, I feel like it's a community effort. It's not just one person saying something uh, like when they want to do something. I feel like everybody, when they see something and they know like the team would like to do it, uh, we're texting in a group chat to see if everybody's up for it. And then that's how's at the team we are and we're going to hang out. So like, I feel like we, um, everybody is, the type to be like, oh, guys, y'all want to hang out? Uh, do you guys want to uh, get food or something like that? Uh, not like two weeks ago, Faith made, Faith and Shy made some, something to eat. And she texted the group chat and was like, hey, I made a lot of food. If you guys want something, just come on down and get some food. Like, it, it, that's, that's the type of team we are, I feel like, yeah. It's the craziest story that you have since you got to Maryland, like the but either on the court where with like where you're just like what what like that was wild um just something where you you were just kind of like damn that was crazy uh, i think y'all know which one i'm gonna say the south carolina game <laughs> my first favorite yeah, uh it was it was crazy i feel like uh i was just like ain't no way i did that on <laughs> the tv but i feel like i still feel like to this day it wasn't my fault the girl ran up on me but I I can say now now that I look back at it um, that I wish I handled it differently. I could have just walked off now. Now that I think about it, but that was one of the craziest things. Take us through kind of like so for like we saw it obviously, but for yeah. audience, so it's like I'll we can set the scene. It's the end of the South Carolina game. Y'all kind of getting your. I think you were losing pretty bit bad at that point, if I'm right, right? Or was yeah, it was like it was about like 15 or something like that. Yeah. This so, is the first time we played them last year. No, this Brittany yeah. Daniel is playing like the number one team in the country. She's like a freshman, right? Like no one really knows yeah. who she is yet. And then all all of a sudden, I'm at I just see a scrap breakout. So what what went down? Yeah. What, what led to it happening? And then kind of uh, what, what was the what was the what was coming out of Brittany Daniel's mouth at that point? <laughs> so what happened was like, as a girl was, she was coming down on the court. Um, I did follow her, like she. I was bumping her the whole way, so that's what it was. And then after that, she pushed me. I was like, whoa, like, chill. And then she walked up, called me B-word, just started going at it. Um, I'm One thing about it, I'm like, I'm a I'm a chill player, but one thing about it, I'm not letting something like that happen. Like, I'm I'm not taking that. I'm, I'm the type of person I'm going to speak my mind either way it goes. So, I, like now that I think about it, I was like, yeah, I wasn't going for that. Like that's not happening. I'm still, I'm still like that, but at the same time, like it's some, it's just like a certain time and place. Like you just can't do that. I feel like, yeah, like with a team like South Carolina that can just go on a run like quick, we don't do that. <laughs> I feel was like Linda was Brendan and your teammates like surprised or were they more like, oh, that's just like that kind of we seen that. They've seen it before, but they haven't seen it in that type of way, I feel like. So they they were surprised. Like, Diamond was on the bench fanning me out. 
Like, even though I was hot, I was like, yeah, like, I said, I'm good. Like, once once I'm done with the situation, I'm done. Like, I move on. But, yeah, like, they was like, like, even you heard on, um, under the shell when, uh, after that game, uh, Coach B was like, look at our freshmen. We got to put them back in. <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, that, that, that's me. I'm a route, like, I'm a, like, a aggressive person. So, like, I'm a, I'm just doing anything. One thing about it, I'm gonna ride for my team. So, like anything happen, I'm right there. So, yeah. I'm just curious because when I'm watching you, it just seems like you're always like the highest energy player on the court. Kind of where do you get that energy from? Because it's not just offensively; it's also defensively. Like, is there like a coach that kind of like brought that out of you, or just always naturally been like that high energy player? Uh, my AAU coach, uh, D'Angelo Sawyer, he always brought it out of me. Um, just making sure that, like, I didn't BS during games. Like, played to my fullest potential. Uh, he will always, like, every time I did something that I ain't had no business doing, he would pull me out, cuss me out, sit me back down, and then he'd tell me, like, if you don't do this on defense, you're coming right back out. So I had to play defense when I was um, playing for him. So, like, and just, like, Chicago was full of people that played defense, like Patrick Beverly. I like I watched him growing up. Uh, just and my, I think my sister went to high school with him. Um, she like just seeing that, like I was like, okay. And my sister played defense. Like one thing about it, my sister, that's that's the one that gave me trouble when it came to like going up the court and she sticking me full court. So I I just watched my sister and and other athletes coming up like how they play defense and and anyway like college coach is looking for that as well so just coming in giving a lot of energy and I know I like I seem scary sometimes so I just try to be scary like Brene say Brene always say look scary they don't give you the ball so I do that <laughs> so um earlier this season you guys during Thanksgiving break you guys went to Cancun how how was that trip do you have a um like a favorite memory from it I I think I saw you in the picture when you guys uh were with the dolphins in the water yeah I feel like uh Cancun it was really fun I was able to see my parents so that was a plus but being able to, to play out there and riding dolphins I I feel like that was a once in a lifetime type of thing so I was like yeah of course I want to ride dolphins and I love animals so just being out there and uh, riding the dolphins it was kind of cool so it, it was fun to me yeah how do y'all focus on basketball when you at like in this like massive resort where like, with all your children? Sure. I don't even know. I don't know how I focus half the time because my my attention span goes like this. So I I try to stay focused as much as I can, but sometimes it's, I don't. Um, can I ask you a little bit? So obviously, you know NIL. You've came into college in the era of NIL, right? Like your team mm -hmm. or you know like Brene, obviously Lab. Like they didn't play in that type of era. What opportunities have you had um, that you can talk about? And then, you know, what is, like, the equity standpoint? Because you guys are the, probably the biggest women's team, right? But there's still football and men's basketball. Do you guys, like, what do you know about the opportunities you've received versus, you know, like, on the men's side? Uh, they do a lot of um, NIL deal opportunities for us. Like, in the beginning of the year, we did uh, WWE uh, I think we did something else, but like they give us a lot of opportunities. But um, I just got just recently got my NIL deal um, with a um, 
clothing brand back at home. So like working on female um, clothing uh, from lifestyle to sports, um, just doing something for females. Uh, so I'm working on that. That's my first NIL deal. Um, I feel like last year was kind of hard for me to get one because like I feel like I, I, I was playing, but I wasn't like playing as much. So like couldn't know no one really see me but I felt like um another thing that I, f I feel like that I should have did more last year was vouch for myself and put myself out there to companies um still still same thing for this year I still I feel like I need to put myself out there and I feel like men's I feel like they already like get a lot of NIL deal opportunities because shoot, who wouldn't like some, some men are going to go like pro. So that some, some places are trying to get in where they fit in at. So like, I feel like women, like, I feel like sometimes if you don't like, if your name is not out there enough, I feel like you don't like have, you don't get a lot of NIL deals. Cause I feel like last year I didn't get a lot. So I feel like, once you start putting your name, like your name is getting out there, plus you promoting yourself and your business and what you want in your business, I feel like that's that will make you get more NIL deals. So, but yeah. It, I mean, I, the way I've like heard it phrased a little bit is like when you're a woman athlete, it's a lot of self-promotion, right? Like you have to make yeah. yourself companies versus even a, like a men's basketball player, like Companies are reaching out to them all the time, even if they're maybe not the most, you know, play the most or talented. Would you agree with that? And like, what do you know about that? Yeah, I feel, I feel like that happens a lot. Um, like with men's, like once, like our men's team, they're a very talented team. Like they're gonna, like first off, they're Maryland. Like we're Maryland, we're gonna get something. But I just feel like, um, like females, we have to work a little bit harder to get what we want. Um, and then I feel like men, they just call them up and let them, and they start working with an NIL. And I feel like, yeah, yeah, that's what I did, yeah. I'm just curious, what was your first reaction when you heard the news of NIL? Was that, were you excited about it or were you a little nervous about being able to kind of navigate it and find deals? Um, I was happy and nervous because um, just trying to figure out how I could like put myself out there to get a NIL deal. Um, and I was happy because like one, who wouldn't want to make money off of their name? Like, and just of who you are and how people like you. Cause like one, I, I could, I like NIL deals, but like at the same time, like it doesn't matter to me. I just love like playing a game and just being out there and giving the fans like a show that they want. So just like having an NIL deal for me is is a plus too as well. So, yeah. Bri, what was the first Hooper that you really watched growing up? Like, was it a women's player, or men's player? You said Pat Bev a little bit, but who was that before that? It was men players. It was it was Derrick Rose. I love one thing about it. I love Derrick Rose. Like when his Chicago Bulls era, that that was my boy. Like I watched Mayfair Robinson in front of the TV watching the games like that that was the person I was watching that that's who I got like the shoes too like I oh, even though I don't even like exactly shoes, bro. I had Adidas shoes like I, I was in love with their <laughs> so yeah like mm. they, they they are ugly but you couldn't <laughs> tell me nothing back then I love their friends like whatever he wore I, I was like trying to get it like knee pads 
uh, everything. Like when I found out he was hurt, I was broken. Like I, I was over it. <laughs> but yeah, Derrick Rose was the one that I was watching a lot. So we, so we can expect if you hit a game-winning three off the backboard, you're just gonna stone cold killer like D Rose against the Cavs that one year. Yeah, it'll be so- like that was all D Rose right then. <laughs> All right, so to wrap it up, we do a rapid fire uh, segment uh-huh. all of our guests. Um, so we're going to take yeah. some questions on and off the court a little bit um, and then just get to know Bree a little bit, and then we can wrap it up and get up out of here. Um, okay. So we can start it off easiest. What's the first NBA Finals you remember watching? It was it was the Derrick Rose um, three. It was, I oh, think, that, oh, that year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was on, I was on that. I was because I'm definitely a Bulls fan, but yeah, I was definitely watching that game. I was like, when that happened, everybody in the house it was like, oh my god, this girl is gone crazy because I was just screaming. Like I was, they one thing my family did call me, they called me soprano, so like I could scream really loud. So I was screaming all around the house. <laughs> yeah, deep dish and I deep dish pizza. Is that is that a positive? And in, in, oh no, no, we did not. Don't, we don't eat deep dish pizzas. We tell people to go get it. <laughs> like we we like promote it to other people, but we don't eat deep dish pizzas. <laughs> okay. What's the loudest opposing gym you've been in? High school, college, AAU, whatever. High school, Semion. Uh, college, Indiana, and Iowa. What about what's the most tight or like cramped opposing locker room in college? Like who has the worst opposing team locker room? Who is it? And I know it. I say, uh, I say Iowa. Like I, I felt like everybody was running into each other. Like <laughs> I felt like it was it was crazy. But their bathrooms was nice. I can get them that the bathrooms was nice, but the like the locker room, it, it just felt like everybody was knocking into each other. Right. Are you like what is what's your hobby? Like what you like to do in your free time when you get a little downtime? Um, I like to cook and bake. Yeah. Favorite thing to bake. Bake upside down German chocolate cake. Oh, she had you had that ready to go. Yes. What's your favorite shot in basketball? Like your favorite like play or shot that you like to get to? Um, I will say when I'm in a post and I can do it up and under. That's been my favorite recently. Yeah. Well, how long? What went into the hair change? Like, was that was that predetermined before the season was over? Did you was that kind of yeah? back of your head yeah like when i first i was i my parents wasn't like things like you're not dying your hair right now like you can wait till you get to college so i was like okay when i get to college i'm gonna dye my hair and luckily Gigi knew how to do hair and she knew how to dye hair because of her mom so Gigi dyed my hair and i just been dying it ever since i i yeah i was like and then now everybody recognized me with red hair so like i really can't change it like when i did like have like black black hair they was like i didn't even notice you so now i really gotta keep it for real what's like your dream vacation spot either to play basketball or just in general um my bless you and my dream vacation spot i can say going to the dominican republic dr yeah dr mike you got any for her favorite piece of gear you've gotten here at maryland I can say um, the Sour Patch Kids shoes. Those were my favorites. Smooth. And and the ones, I call them the Easter shoes. 
that I wear um, at home games, those are the ones that I like. So, yeah, I feel like low tops is my favorite. So, yeah. And then I think me and Sam are going to stop by Chicago on the way to the uh, Big Ten tournament this year. It's, is there like Ooh. one landmark you say we should go visit? Uh, I told them about the bean and like um the Navy Pier and all that. Yeah, the but... bean and Navy Pier. Uh, I feel like you should go to the Buckingham Family, even though like it's not on. It's still like a like a cute little scenery. Yeah. Buckingham Family, everybody go there. Um, yeah, yeah. I said the aquarium's tough too. Oh yeah, Shed Aquarium, Shed Aquarium. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah, I love Shed Aquarium actually. <laughs> All right, Bree. Well, we appreciate you. Uh, thanks for hopping on. Um, you know, good luck with the rest of the season. And thanks again for, for joining us for a quick little interview here. Thank you. Well, you heard it from a player. Now we're going to be talking about it. Bree kind of gave some insight into the early season start for Maryland. Uh, the Terps are 7-3 and three with losses to Washington State, UConn, and South Carolina. Um, they're on a little bit of a win streak here, though. Obviously, um, played their first Big Ten game on Sunday, beat Northwestern. I was out sick, but Michael Howes was there. Mike, what did you see at the Xfinity Center? I saw a team that was able to win when some of the things that have helped them win in the past did not work. Um, they had a really bad day yesterday from three. They shot three, four, eleven. Um, and kind of as a whole this year, they've they've been a little bit poor from the three-point line. They're shooting 33.5%. Um, they're down to seventh in the Big Ten in three-point percentage, but they've kind of compensated with that a little bit with a strong presence in the paint. Um, I think that there, there's been a couple moves that's kind of helped that. Um, Allie Quebec, she's moved into the starting lineup the past few games. She's kind of emerged as a pivotal piece on this team, um, recovering from that ACL injury she suffered last year. And I think the team has kind of bought into rebounding and having that presence in the paint. They had a couple lackluster games to start the season, um, especially against South Carolina. But recently, um, they've been really buying in their second right now, the Big Ten actually, in combined rebounds. You just see people like a 6-2 shy sellers leading the team yesterday with eight boards that kind of like team buying in and kind of all you know placing an emphasis on something that was a struggle before I know I checked the score at halftime in Maryland uh, I think only up by three right mm-hmm. um, was that something you were kind of expecting going into the Northwestern game no I was not and I I kind of think that those three-point struggles were um, a leading factor into that. They only made one three in that first half, and that was a buzzer beater by Shy Sellers. And that, I mean, it, it just was not working. And then they had a monster third quarter yesterday. Whatever Freeze told them in the locker room worked because they outscored the Wildcats twenty to six. Wow. That frame. That's the that's Maryland. Maryland's had three games this season where they've trailed at halftime and come back and won. Obviously, they weren't trailing, but they've been really strong um, at some points in in that third quarter. And then other points have just gotten the blow, doors blown off of them. It's kind of been an interesting dynamic to look at early season. You um, say they live and die by the third quarter and by the three? They kind <laughs> of do. They, they have a lot of threes in that sentence. But, yeah, um, I think that overall when you look at this team, I think they're really starting to catch kind of a little bit of the stride that we expected. Um, you know, win over North Northwestern's horrible. Like, sorry to the Wildcats, but they're not very good. Um, but still, I thought that the second half play was really encouraging. Um, I thought that the win over George, George Mason really impressed me. Like they were a really solid team, and I thought that Maryland really 
kind of found something there with a little bit of the grit um, and, and that type of thing to be able to pull out a win uh, there. And they get Towson on Tuesday, so today um, um, as you're listening. And I think that that'll be an interesting look because Towson's got a good record, haven't played a um, Power 5 opponent. And I think, as Mike talked about, they should be able to dominate inside with the former Towson transfer, Quebec. Uh, and I think that this team's length is really starting to show up um, rebounding, but also just positional defense. They're longer than nearly every team they're playing right now across the lineup, which is different than last year. Um, so I think that you really want to see that. Um, one thing to improve on really quick, though, is, you know, I talked with Brenda, um, you know, before before the game against Northwestern, and she gave kind of an interesting quote um, about how this team has enough glue players, like, players that just kind of play that play their own role and, and move the ball and stuff she needs a couple of uh you know young players or even veterans to step up and take a scoring leap because she's tired of seeing them play in the 70s like she wants them in the 80s the 90s that type of thing um which is kind of how they usually play so i don't know mike brennan do you guys think of anybody who really could kind of take that step and and start you know contributing more in terms of scoring output it didn't show up on the stat sheet like it wasn't eye popping, but Emily Fisher yesterday, she finished with seven boards and three assists. So she's clearly getting more comfortable out there, and at some point she's going to start taking more and more shots with that comfortability. Yeah. I definitely think her, and then we've talked about her a little bit, but Riley Nelson, if you know, five star, she was the best uh, recruit for the Terps heading into this season. She played a team high 33 minutes against Green Bay um, in Cancun, but hasn't really seen that many minutes since then. Um, but I still think that she can play a, a valuable role for the Terps scoring-wise. Um, did a lot of that in high school, and if, if she can find their footing in the college game this season, that can be huge for them in tournament season. Yeah, you mentioned the two, the game coming up this, this morning, 11 a.m. If you've listened to this episode before that's launched, <laughs> kudos to you, and then game against James Madison the week after on the 20th. So about a 20-day break until the next Big Ten game. What things do you think the Terps can improve on before then? I think that it's uh, three-point shooting, obviously, but I think really solidifying who your go next option is behind Shy. I think that's something that you really want to be able to find out because they should get Lavender back um, by the time that they kind of play that, those gets in that stretch of the Big Ten play. Um, and I think that between her, Jakia Brown-Turner, Brene, Alexander, and Bree, you really want to nail down who kind of that secondary scoring option is going to be. Even Allie Quebec. Even Allie, yeah, good point. Um, so I think that's really something you want to find because all of those players are kind of right now not hunting their own shot, I think, as much as you'd like to. Because if you look at Maryland, like go on ESPN's stat page, look at Maryland's stat leaders. Literally every single one is shy sellers. It's crazy. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, you know how if you go to a team output, it shows you the leaders? Shy's picture shows up on every single stat, which is, I think, an indictment of how well Sellers is playing this year, but also I don't think that's something Brenda wanted to see, considering how much they talked about we want to play by a score-by-committee type of game. You know, we, me and Mike wrote about it a million times. It's not really, you know, paying off in fruition right now. I'm really confused with Lavender Briggs' usage this year. This was a player who averaged nearly 20 points her sophomore season at Florida, and yeah, she was injured for those first seven games, but she only averaged six points. Yeah, I think that injuries have played a role, and I also think that 
I agree. I thought they were going to play her way more out of ball screens. I thought she was going to get a lot more on-ball looks. It hasn't really come. It'll be interesting to see when what she comes back from the injury because um, they should be able to string a couple of wins together here. So definitely an easier slate than what we saw at the beginning of the year um, for the Terps. Uh, but they're in a little bit of a win streak here, so we'll see how it gets going. Um, not any must-win games on the schedule like how – Maryland men's basketball last game was against Penn State, which is kind of crazy to say in December, but guys, the win over the Nittany Lions felt like a must-have. I mean, am I wrong, Brendan? It kind of seemed like a game that you gotta get. I mean, I think it's an it was absolutely a must-win game. Maryland won the game in an extremely ugly fashion. Penn State was a team that coming into the year, looking at this game at home, you know, red out game, whatever you want to say, you know, I think fans would have figured this would be a pretty big blowout. Um, taking Penn State into overtime, I think, was nothing we expected going into the season. However, when we talked about it a couple days before, I think fans and, and you know what we were talking about was if Maryland could win this game, be huge because the way the offenses look has just been awful. Uh, it didn't. It didn't change. <laughs> Again, oh, I absolutely State. agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just crazy how reliant they are on Julian Reese and Jameer Young. Um, there's an article in the Diamondback by Eli Cohen. That talked about how the team has come or Ju- Juju and Jameer have combined for 48% of Maryland scoring this year compared to 39% of them their scoring last year. And all we talked about this year was how much more depth they have scoring rise, right? Like DHS was supposed to take a leap. Dante Scott was supposed to score. Jim, uh, Jamie Kaiser was right. <clears throat> and we've, you know, I, I guess I said early in the year that I thought Jameer might take a regression. He really hasn't. He's played very well, and, and Juju has taken a massive leap. I don't. It's not showing because they're not winning. He looks so much better. Like Just Absolutely. learning how he can dominate games now, and he's a force on defense. His help side defense is so much better this year than it was last year. Um, I just think that other than those two, the struggles have just been of the rest of the starting lineup and of the bench has been – pretty pretty awful i think to see you know just because of you know how much they're needed you can't just have especially when they're your point guard and center and you're supposed to spam pick and rolls with them over and over and over again there's no spacing to space those pick and rolls so they're just driving into condensed lanes that you know you're throwing up shots against two or three defenders when ideally you'd have three shooters around them let juju and jameer operate in a lot of space one thing that I'll say that was pretty promising, yeah, the offense was a little lackluster, but coming off of an Indiana game where there was a lot of talk about a lousy Terps effort, obviously that was there's that clip of Juju um, um, on social media of him yelling at what looked like Dante Scott. Um, the Terps played pretty tough um, on the boards against Penn State. They grabbed 23 offensive boards, and they out-rebounded Penn State by over 20. You had Dante Scott. He had four offensive rebounds, six boards. Um, on the defensive side, 10 total. That was that was promising to see after you know a performance that many would have called lousy, lack of effort. Um, and you, you kind of saw that little presence in the paint. I talked about that with the women's team, but you kind of saw that against Penn State with that kind of, you know, Willer talked about beefing up and being more physical. You saw that come to fruition against the Nittley Lions. Yeah, I mean, another positive you can take away is the fact that Maryland had to win a game in overtime. You know, doing that early in the season is big, but it's something that really shouldn't have had to happen. The one thing I want to talk about and kind of get your opinions on is um, what are they doing at the end of the game fouling? I mean, I thought that just made absolutely no sense. The, J- the Jahari Long yeah. foul? Yeah, I think that was just a complete mental lapse. Like, I don't think that was the plan there. I think 
in that situation he probably just saw the ball and lost track of you know the, the type of you know what was needed and, and went for it but you're right Brendan you cannot foul there There's, and, and I think that's just not symbolic because it hasn't really been mental lapses but it just if you're a team that struggles as much as they do on offense you have to be a slow it down grind it out don't make any mental mistakes to win games and they're not doing that either and I think that's kind of disheartening so what do we see as you know the final outlook on this team we're not halfway yet but we're in a pretty good chunk of the schedule now kind of where do you see this team going in March if they're going anywhere. <laughs> NIT. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I need to see a couple more games. I think they'll probably make the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, yeah. I, I think that they will be, uh, they'll be playing earlier than people expected in the Big Ten tournament. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, the game against Penn State, sure, they won. I think Brennan makes a good point that you win in a tight game that can maybe boost some confidence. DHS had a big bucket at the end. Maybe that gets him going, but Dude, Penn State is awful. They lost to Bucknell, who stinks, and Maryland is in an overtime game at home. I believe Maryland's loss to a UAB counts as a quad four loss right now, which is not what they you want a, from. They them. didn't have a quad four loss all of last year, and they already had one this year. Like that, this is not great. <laughs> yeah. A I, lot of what we predicted early on has just not come to fruition. Kaiser is not. He's shown improvement. He was a lot more comfortable last game. He he finished with 10 points, but he's not been the consistent shooter that we thought he would be. DHS, you brought it up last episode. He just cannot shoot for his life. Um, Jameer, obviously shooting the three is not his game. He's never really been a three-point shooter, more of a drive-it guy. And, you know, you, you don't want Donta Scott standing on the wing the entire game taking those shots for you. So, like you've been talking about, just the spacing is terrible with the team. Yeah. I think the Kevin Willard quote sums it up pretty well. After the Penn State game, he said, quote, just looking at our numbers, there's really no joy right now. He's absolutely right. I mean, there is, I mean, I've looked at the numbers too. You look at the net rankings, you look at any statistical category you want for this team, and it is pretty ugly. I mean, in, in terms of what you want to say about, you know, what the outlook for this team is, I mean, let's think about it. They're five and four right now. They're going to win at least three of the next four games. So they'll be probably have eight wins going into the final slate of Big Ten play. Yeah, It really all depends on how this team is going to play at home. They right. haven't lost a home game in two and a half years. So no. who's They lost to UCLA. Okay, have a Big Ten home game. Um, very true. They, d- they did lose a, lose a Big Ten game. They did lose a game to UCLA. But they haven't lost a Big Ten home yeah. game in, in two and a half years. So until they show that they're going to do that, you know, this team still has a little bit of hope. But other than that, I mean, I don't think they'll win a Big Ten road game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it doesn't, even if they win their home game, you got to win a couple road games now to make up for how, I mean, how bad they only lost one. Only won one last year, and they still finished pretty well in Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, but, but they didn't also, we just said they didn't lose to UAB absolutely. Or, or, yeah, you know, or Villanova by 100 or Davidson. Like, the, that kind of puts you behind the eight ball, right? So you got to make up for games you were Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they'll beat UCLA. UCLA actually isn't very good, so maybe that'll just be a battle of mid, but. Um, yeah, they also yeah they are. I'm looking at that rankings. They're 120 second. Yeah, not great. So I think that I think they could get like one or two maybe, but I don't know. I they're gonna have to pull out a couple of wins. The Big Ten in general looks kind of bad this year, like worse than I thought. Um, Michigan State. That's hard to say. I don't know though. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Michigan State is terrible. Did you? I mean, have you guys seen? They had the worst start to a preseason top five team in the eight preseason AP poll ever. 
They have a losing record. They're shooting the ball pretty poorly right now. Yeah, they, yeah, it's exactly. Not. Like they're they're almost as bad as shooting at Maryland. Like it's it's pretty bad. I obviously Northwestern's better than I think people expected, um, but other than that, I mean, you're looking at like kind of that middle class of what Nebraska, Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan, maybe you know. Michigan State, Rutgers, like all of these teams have more than three, three or more losses, pretty much, you know. So, like, I think that there are opportunities now. On the flip side, there are also opportunities for teams to upset you, right? Like, Maryland's mm-hmm. not as good as they were last year. Who's to say that a Rutgers couldn't come into College Park and win, right? So, I don't know. I think it's going to be, they're going to be in a bubble for sure. And I don't know if it's going to burst or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Three, ne- three of the next four games, like we said, are, are they're going to win those three games, and so then going to make them playoffs from there. Yeah, I think that you kind of got to hope that your team can get it figured out, man. I mean, there's they they're the only hope pretty much for uh, winter or for for the the men's side of sports because it's had been a tough year so far for the for the gentlemen. So uh, we'll see kind of where they go from where they go from there. You know, kind of looking towards next year too, you got to hope Juju's a junior right now. I don't believe his NBA stock is to where he would declare for the draft, but transfer portal, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, his sister did it. So, I mean, yeah, it's not must run in the family. I mean, if he does. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, next year's a long way away. Um, kind of figure out where they go from there but the other men's team that's kind of you know permeating in the winter sports is the wrestling squad brendan how's alex clemson's team looking looking decent like we talked about last time still a bit early uh on sunday went to morgan state baltimore uh 135 to 6 similar to the basketball team early match trying to get your guys going nothing too big on, on anybody yet only you know three or four matches into the season, but um, still staying in the ranking. So it's good for now. Um, off for a long time. Uh, don't have another competition until January 5th. So our first episode back from break, I'll have a bit more of an update on them and we'll dive into some more uh, comparisons for the players, but still very early. Not everybody has wrestled yet to, you know, against people that are, you know, really uh, of that competition. So yeah, go from there. I think, you know, Clemson's team, you just kind of got to wait and see, right? Like, they've had the non-conference success last year, the year before. What do you do in a loaded Big Ten is kind of where I'm at. I mean, that's every team in Maryland at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We, I, For some reason, the Terps don't really schedule, other than the women's team, can we think of a team that really schedules loaded non-conference slates? Field hockey a little bit. Baseball has. Yeah, in the, in the past. Ole Miss was number four last okay, year. Point, yep. down there. I forgot about that. But other than Ole Miss, did they play anybody? Really? But I, I agree with you. Men's soccer did in the – they tried to. This year was a little different because they just lost every game. But, yeah. There's not, like, any, like – I'm talking, like, iconic home and homes, right? Like, how, yeah. like, like you look at, like, you know, Texas and Alabama and football or, like, there's been scheduling in, you know, feel like uh, Northwestern, I think – uh, North Carolina played each or scheduled to play each other. Like those are like these huge matchups. I guess field hockey does it. They do. Field hockey does. Virginia. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They Virginia. have the Big Ten ACC Cup every yeah. year. But that's like, is that like scheduled by Maryland? Or no, is that's that, scheduled that's by the, the thing conferences. They do every year. But that's from by the conferences. conferences. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm talking like Maryland scheduling. Like Villanova this year, Maryland basketball played. That wasn't because Maryland decided. That was like the Gavit Games, right? So like, I yes. think that I'm I'm kind of wondering like. Is the athletic department really into like scheduling these huge big slates? Apparently, they are for the women's team. I don't know. I, I I genuinely was asking. Like, I don't know what it looks like for every other sport. Yeah, I mean, football uh, played West Virginia 
couple seasons ago. That but doesn't count. <laughs> Sam says it doesn't count. Playing Wake Forest in 2030 and 2031, does that count? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if those teams six. will be yeah, that good. Is that, yeah. that going to be a non-conference game? Still? Wake Forest could be in the SEC and yeah. <laughs> Maryland could be in the Pac-12 by that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, the baseball team last year is a good point. That was a tournament. But this year, I don't know. Are they really playing anybody? Like, Let's see. I don't really think so. They play Pitt, it looks like, but that's in one of the, those college classics. So. so their schedule this year has five opponents that competed in last year's NCAA tournament and seven teams ranked in the top 75 in RPI. Okay, so good for Matt Swope. Look at him. Mm-hmm. Scheduling tough teams. Sorry, listeners. I don't know how we I, got on that. I, well, I think part of it actually is that there's been a lot of turnover in coaches from across that's the really teams. That's a And so it's – you know, you need a coach to be at the school for a long time for one, another school to want to play your program. And why would a school want to play Maryland's X team if the coach turns over every three years? I don't yeah, know who they're going to be playing. There's no connection or no relationship, you know. I guess Maryland is also recon- the men's team is recontinuing the Georgetown series, which I guess, even though Georgetown's bad, that's kind of like a prestige. But I think those things are great for the sport. I agree, 100%. I think, like, even if it's not like a ranked game, just having like those big brands. I mean, Maryland games, has that in soccer, the, the Georgetown series, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that that does a lot. And, like, Virginia, and the they usually always play Virginia, my, like the field hockey team yeah. does. Does lacrosse schedule crazy hard? I'm that's what I was think. looking up now. Does Yes, that's a good point. Actually, both lacrosse teams schedule. Very strong out of conference. Okay, yeah, yeah. Got you. Because they play John Hopkins, but John Hopkins. Well, that doing the Big, big Ten. Ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I'm, I was just like I was thinking about last year who they played in the non-con, um, and kind of. I got. I mean, it's a lot of the teams though play some of the same teams around here that are, tend to not be that strong. Towson, well, George Mason, last right? Year, like, yeah, the men's team. I was I was right. I thought they had played a really tough. Year. They played Richmond, who was ranked Syracuse, they played Notre ranked, Dame, Princeton, right? Notre Dame. Yeah, they they team play Virginia. Strong. That's a that's a pretty stacked non-conference. So that that makes sense, I guess. Um, yeah, women's lacrosse played four ranked out of conference opponents. So maybe it's just like the top prestigious programs schedule do it tough team because like. The women's team does, both lacrosse teams. What about softball last year? Um, softball had kind of a weird schedule because they played uh, in that, like, one of those tournaments, and they played oh, like, Oklahoma yes, State. Oh, yes, 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 I recall. So, like, how is – I guess the, the thing I is – I see a trend where it's, like, the more success, successful teams are facing the harder non-conference yeah. schedules. Like, we talked about both lacrosse teams. Yeah, and also those are the coaches that have been here for a while. Been mm-hmm. here for the longest time. That's a good point. And Sasha has been here for a minute, and they, you said they've scheduled tough in the past. Yeah, so, men's soccer routinely yeah. does. I think yeah. softball played kind of a – they played kind of an ass schedule. They got they got with a lucky with the um, one of the tournaments they played over in Mexico that – they got to play two really good teams, but they didn't had no way of knowing that when they originally That's absolutely scheduled, true. So. I think also you have to kind of know your team. Like, there's no reason for the Maryland women's soccer team to go get blown out five times out of conference when it's just going to happen in conference. Exactly, so, like, yeah. you want to schedule games that's you're a, going to win because, point. A, it looks good for the program. Same you're trying to recruit people. And volleyball. Exactly. And Why B, score zero goals non-conference when you can just do that <laughs> the schedule? No, my point is that if you're trying to, you know, build some momentum, and I, yeah. you agree with me, Mike, you're just joking, is that, <laughs> is that you want to, you That's know, a great show point. that you can win, and this yeah, is an yeah. interesting topic. Yeah, you don't want to like you don't want to put the team morale in the dirt before you even get to the challenging part of your schedule. So I think there's benefits to both for sure. I think um, I mean the interesting thing to look at is, is football, obviously, because that's the one that gets the most talk about, and obviously with the college football playoff happening. You yeah, know, like, and so, the expansion now, like how's that? So work? I mean, yeah, but I don't think Maryland has. I mean, if you look at the schedule next year, and you can look at the out of conference opponents, you know, yeah, not sure Villanova in basketball will, <laughs> in football. 
In football, sorry, yeah. Also, yeah, ba- also in basketball. Also in basketball. You, yeah, exactly. And I don't blame you for associating Villanova with, with basketball. basketball. Yeah. To be fair, I had you no didn't idea. even know that team. So Correct. yeah, Villanova and football. I'm not sure is going to really get the <laughs> get college the football playoff committee the... when you know Maryland next year is fighting for that 12th spot. <laughs> exactly. Big playoff game in CQ Stadium incoming. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Well, that kind of wraps up an interesting <laughs> little part there. I kind of like talking about like that was good. I'm not I sure had, we got there either. I had I had no idea how we got there, but we got there. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of wrapping up all the winter sports. So now we're gonna do a little bit of a semester recap because you know we're headed to the uh, end of our all three of our semesters. Wish us luck on our exams. Fingers crossed. Um, and we're gonna kind of give a little recap. We're taking a break here. So Brendan, what do you got for us? All right, so we've talked, you know, we're going to continue to do it about all the teams this year but and, and how they did, but we had our predictions at the beginning of the year. Any biggest surprises from how teams finished, how players did? What was your biggest surprise of the season, Mike? Biggest surprise? How lackluster the fall sports were here at Maryland. <laughs> Just, you, I mean, you think about the field hockey team, they failed to reach the Final Four this year. That was a little bit of a surprise. They've been really successful in the past. Football, they had that dry spot in the middle of the season that just kind of soured any like confidence you had in the program by that 5-0 and start. And then uh, men's soccer, just disappointing season. The most disappointing season you could arguably say in all of Sasha's career. That's- oh, it's absolutely true. That's what I was going to say as well. I mean, not winning a conference game. Looks like Sam was going to say that as well <laughs> as, he, as he grits his teeth. But, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Finishing projected to be the first team in the Big Ten and not making the Big Ten tournament. If you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have laughed at you and told me you don't know anything. Yeah. Okay, so both of mine got stolen, so I'm going to come up with a third. That's Kevin Willard's 2024 recruiting class. Very well said. I'm surprised at how just like there's basically nobody there right like is there nobody what do you mean by basically there he has no recruits nobody (laughs) yeah like i mean he it they had so much momentum last year he came in and usually new coaches get this kind of like boost in recruiting oh absolutely like people are like oh okay you know like this is a new guy i want to commit for them Right now, they have nobody committed. I mean, who are they building that facility for? Yeah, exactly. Derek <laughs> like, Queen. Derek Queen, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, it just feels like they're putting all the eggs into the, like, top basket, right? Like, Derek Queen, Bryson Tucker, um, you know, Malachi Palmer from Maryland. And I just, I'm shocked, basically, at how little, you know, success they've had on the trail so far in the in the fall. So, um, that would be my biggest surprise. Maybe uh, it has to do with... Um Tony Skin's um, loss. I mean, they, they tried to replace him with Mike Jones, which is a great replacement, really good coach at DeMatha, but apparently the dude had, like, deep ties to the DMV yeah. area. Yeah, I mean... And his team is looking good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I think that, you know, it, maybe it'll get turned around, but it's getting late. It, what's the saying? It, it um, It's getting late early, and it's getting early late or something like that. So I something think... Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this team... You, you got to hope you fix it on the court, but then you also got to hope you fix it on the I mean, I don't even know what court. you would do if you don't get any recruits. Yeah, they got, they're going to have to get someone. I mean, they, this team isn't like – I mean, Mike talked a little bit about for next year, but, I mean, Jameer's gone. Jahari Long is gone. We should get someone Don- to talk about that when we come back. I mean, I, I, I haven't thought about this. Like, I don't, actually don't know what they would do. Donta Scott's gone. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to just dip in the portal like crazy. And they showed this year that's not necessarily Willard's like, Strategy, yeah. top thing. So. Even that's also not the way he built any of his teams At previously. Yeah. yeah he, he was a total like build, 
stock up on talent and like the senior by the time the guy gets to the senior year he's a stud you know yeah. what i mean they're the not the issue really is that. now though is that those guys can basically leave in free yeah, agency that's a good point. yeah that's a good point um but i don't know i they got to get one i mean they got to get somebody right mike you would hope. I mean, <laughs> who who do they have offers for right now? Is anybody like a? I don't know. I mean, I think that they're they just kind of right now like it's now they're in the season, so it's going to be hard. But that's that's my biggest surprise. I mean, I just have been kind of shocked at the lackluster recruiting. So, three three pretty negative surprises, but it's been kind of that way for the fall sports. Man. Yeah, the other one I was going to say, which Mike started to talk about, was the home loss against Illinois. Yeah, that's in the football sure. game. That stretch, uh, Northwestern and Illinois. The losing on the field goal, um, yeah, that was a shock, and also just oh, I have another set one. the program back a little bit. How bad the yellow jerseys looked. Yeah, that was a. I was a high believer in them, and then once I actually saw, I mean, you're getting in into a, a fight on Twitter about it. <laughs> yeah, they did not look good. They looked. They looked really bad. They also didn't work. Yeah, I, I don't really. <laughs> Pretty Jay sure Maryland got blown out in that game. <laughs> Jay Sean was hyping them up, and they were just not the play. Apparently, um, I did not like them, and I thought I would too. I thought that the yellow would look better. I really think the helmets. Just I kind of liked good. the all whites. That was pretty fun. Oh, I thought the white all whites were amazing. Oh. I, I, I loved the all whites. <laughs> so did our guy that we interviewed too, Mr. Hampton. Oh my God, Drew was all over those. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, take us to our next one. Okay, um, favorite moment or show. And guest from the season. Okay, well, that's like three of them. Just pick a moment from the show, you know? Okay. Um, Do you want me to go first? Yeah, absolutely. All you. Okay, my favorite moment of the show this year. So there's a couple. We had a – this was a really fun – I think we really hit kind of our our stride almost, um, you know, in terms of what we were looking at and and kind of how we we got going. Um, I thought, you know, in this semester especially – but there were a couple, um, just to name a few guests. I really liked, uh, you know, when we, when we were able to have D. Gray on. I loved. Uh, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I loved. I loved having, um, hearing about uh, Jordan Geronimo and kind of the trip to Italy. I thought that was a lot of fun. But I think my my top moment um, was being able to talk with the fridge about yeah. everything mm. that went down during oh his gosh. firing. I thought that was super interesting because I never. You know, not coming from Maryland, I knew who he, Ralph Friedgen was, but I didn't know why he got fired. And I thought that was really insightful to get kind of what goes down behind the scenes during a coach's who's been successful when they get canned. I'm not sure if he's spoken that much in the past about it, but I feel like he just opened so much to us yeah, like that episode. I thought that was a really fun. And I also loved the bull picks this year or the, yeah. the game picks this year. You know, oh, I had a good Yeah, I'm I love you enjoy it. I love I love the moment when Mike miscalculated my uh yeah. my record and was, yeah. I thought that was very funny I think we might have cut out some of that because there was a little bit of laughter but it was, it was a good moment <laughs> yeah I uh, definitely also just enjoyed like like this was a fun sem- I thought we did a lot of fun games like I liked a yeah. lot of the trivia we did a lot of the like segments like the segment where we did about the hot seat I had a good time doing that like that those type of stuff I, yeah, I enjoyed that was I, good. I just enjoy talking sports with y'all oh absolutely Mike the D. Gray one is just hilarious <laughs> the way that all came together like <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. our group chat is still named after him. Yeah, so. it is. Shout out D. If he's listening, we, we have a group chat named after you. Um, but yeah, text us if you listen, D. <laughs> D was amazing. Just, you know, that whole week, like, oh, my gosh, somebody has our name for their podcast. And then, oh, we're, we're, we're kind of friends with O-line. this guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and he had some great stories, actually. Yeah, so I'll say D. Gray. D. Gray was pretty cool. Yeah, the Steelers Bengals story was awesome. Yeah. I think, I mean, Johnny Holiday was pretty oh, awesome. Johnny Holiday's intro. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the <laughs> intro, I mean, that set the podcast ahead 20 years. I mean, that, yeah. yeah. And we got mentioned during the MSU game, and yep. we went to a show. Mm-hmm. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. We got the little, little hotel special. Behind the scenes. No, that was a great guest. Um, Drew Hampton, in true under-the-shell fashion, I thought was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, just hearing about what goes on, how the jerseys get clean, you know. I thought this question you asked, Sam, about the – Indiana jerseys getting wrong. I think that might have been one of the best questions of the. That, I thought that was hilarious. The answer yeah. gave that was good. So yeah, yeah. I and then some other guests that we had fun with. I thought Jay Sean was was really cool. solid. Guest, yeah. You know, even though he was a little late, um, I, thought, <laughs> I thought he was he was super nice. Trey um, Watson was cool. Trey Watson was still a, salty about those targeting calls. Still <laughs> salty. And then I actually really really liked uh, Shay Duran. I thought yeah, she was she was a cool interview. And and the wizard was. Was oh my, that's great to be able to tell people. Uh, Ryan Howerton, our first. Uh, I recruit, mean, we just named like, basically. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was just a. It was a fun semester. Um, In true, um, I guess I'll say you know, under the shell wrapped, if you will. Uh, you want to guys to take a prediction or a guess? You may know, but what the couple of most listened to episodes were? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Ralph probably is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, He's number three. And then my other guest would be up there pretty high. I think Jay Sean. Yeah, Jay Sean. I was gonna say. Yeah, I think he's fifth. He's oh, yeah, he's sixth actually. Oh, wow. Top one is Jordan Geronimo. Oh. And it, yeah. and, it, and it has been him for the entire. I mean, also it was one of the earlier episodes. People have a long time to listen to it, but yeah. And then Walt Williams was he up there? Yeah. Shy was up there. Shy's up there. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that that those was a lot of fun. I think the most underrated guest I would actually agree was. Um, Trey Watson. I had a lot of fun doing yeah, that episode. episode. We, did, we did a good breath of getting you know past players, current players, yeah, 100%. players that are going to be here next year. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought this was a much more um, balanced and and, uh, and guest lineup that that we had. Um, It'd be I, funny to look back at our guests that we had. You know, like it's actually pretty insane. Season. We had no it's, no repeats either. Yeah, like that, that that was pretty cool. I thought I we'll have to get some of those in the coming years, but. Um, I thought it was cool that we kind of got, you know, we got uh, we got really diverse with who we brought on. Just kind of smiling right now, looking at our first two guests from last year, Tyler Cronin and then <sighs> uh, the director of strength and conditioning for um, Holly, Holly France. Yeah. And yep. guess who was and, and then Josh, three. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Josh <laughs> and, and then James Gist, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw Gist was like they put his name up on one of the things they were doing, maybe like the Maryland Pride thing or something. I saw his name, I, I smiled. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I everyone Tyler like, Cronin, God. <laughs> It's just been crazy progression, like, and I wouldn't want to do it with any other two podcasters. So yeah, know. even the interview quality—it's just yeah. yeah so sure. all right, we've we've hyped ourselves up enough in that segment. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's go to our final little game before the best segment, in my opinion, which is terrific turp. Before we get to that, do you have a favorite terrific turp? Actually, Ooh. oh yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear. That. Oh, that's a really good question. I have mine. All right, go for it. No, no, no. You're, it's your hmm. it's your your thing. I gotta recall who I've done this season. Um... I think the one I did two weeks ago, which maybe you were going to say too. No, I have a different one, but I like that one a lot. Um, God, let me pull up his exact name. Um, <laughs> the wrestler. Yeah, I, I can't, I'm, I'm blanking on exactly how you pronounce his last you know, name. Even it's though it's a Hudson very, Taylor. Hudson Taylor. I didn't know which one was first. That's yeah. why I was blanking on it. Uh, either of those could be first names. Um, wrestler who kind of started the uh, program for um, Straight Alliance, I, I thought was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Hudson Taylor was a, was a really cool one. I'm going to... I'm gonna go with Len Elmore. I liked that mm. one a lot. I thought, you know, he would. He, I I knew him because I listened like online, 
but I thought Len Elmore was really cool. Um, and I like doing that edit a lot. Yeah. You, EJ Henderson. I thought that. Oh was yes, he was a dog, and <laughs> nobody knows about him. Like I got people like DM me after we posted that, saying, "Who is this guy? He had an insane career." Like mm-hmm. that. That was kind of wild. I I had no idea who he was. Shout out Sam on the uh, terrific Terp uh, promo clips on the uh, Twitter and Instagram for this semester, and then again, all the work that Brendan, all that all that research that he puts into the segment. Also very small, and I don't know if you remember it. Uh, back in September, Elizabeth Hopkins water polo. Oh. Just Oh. Just like you know, and and Bob Nelligan. Bob Nelligan. Yeah. I was gonna say Bob Nelligan was a really cool one too. I there were a lot of really good ones. I thought you had this year. William Skinner was a bad. And I have one more today too. So don't yeah, count, so don't, don't count me out. Maybe that'll be the maybe that'll be the top one. But before we do that, um, we're gonna give. You know, we gave some negative moments, but we're gonna consolidate it all. We're each gonna name do a little snake draft here since there's no more bowl game picks. Our top two favorite Maryland moments from the from the first uh, first semester this can be podcast related this can be sport related whatever it may be um, Mike we'll start with you since you finished you're last too kind oh, picks. Well, I'll go second that I get I guess uh, pick one one is going to be big noon kickoff I think oh, that was amazing. That's amazing. That was that was oh just an God. amazing that. moment. That's a great pick, Mike. That was so fun. And for anybody who doesn't listen, we were repping the podcast mm-hmm. merch. We all had the shirt song. We had the uh, Connor Stallion under the shell sign. <laughs> wow, that is true. I know the first pick anyway, but that, yeah, it was a great moment. All mm-hmm. right, second, I'll keep it uh, football. Braden Wyslowski, 98-yard kickoff return. Oh. I mean, that they could have lost a Virginia game if they hadn't got the, all the momentum right there. So I thought that was a huge play. That game was really Under fun. Under lights. That was a very fun game. That was, I think, probably their, their like most fun game I've had watching. I thought playing on Friday, I was kind of hating on it originally. I actually kind of liked it. It was cool. Yeah, that was a very fun game. Okay, my pick, Talia Tugavaloa breaking the record. I thought that that was pretty awesome. Basic one, but, I mean, the guy, like, he literally has now the all-time record in Big Ten passing yards. That there's not much Maryland can brag about in the Big Ten. They can now brag about that. So I'm going to say I know that. someone on Twitter who loves to brag about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike, no snake draft. No go snake? Back to you. Come on, Mike, let's right. go. Uh, I'm, this is going to be a pretty niche pick. Um, I'm going to take Maryland Cross Country, finishing with their best finish oh. in the NCAA Mid-Atlantic Regional since 2003, placing eighth. Um, That's Brendan, you know, Brendan's gonna love that. I'm, I'm surprised that's a poll that you even know about. <laughs> I, I mean, it was my that. beat. I, I did my best at it. General assignments, baby. <laughs> um, I'll go kind of a double here. We talked about it a little bit. Um, field hockey and lacrosse, new facility. Um, seems like a pretty sweet locker room. Sam is not smiling, but I wasn't gonna go with that. But I thought I'd mention it. Um, oh. I, was gonna, I was gonna go with Alyssa Klobosko. Um, mm. Maybe not a specific moment, but as a freshman, just her season coming in here. I mean, incredible saves in so many games that I can mention. You know, Northwestern Big Ten championship game was crazy, but so many different games. Um, they didn't win that game, but she gave him a chance. Yeah, she was. So um, good. She was incredible yeah i thought i thought she was great um okay so because you i was gonna pick the plex but because you mentioned it i'm actually gonna not go with that i'm gonna go with sam sire being a part of the 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 club that that when we had her on be able to talk with her about that well um i thought that i mean i'm picking two records i guess but no the 1k is, is a big yeah that's a huge deal to be able to make the 1k club so i thought that that um, was a pretty special season for her, uh, and I, it was cool to have her on too. So that's what I'll go with. 
the amount of NBC and just kind of national TV games Maryland football had this year was pretty cool. It's the mm-hmm. most I can remember yeah. in a while. I mean, NBC was the reason I got to write for NBC because mm-hmm. of Maryland. Mm-hmm. So that was that was pretty dope for me. Um, so shout out NBC and the Big Ten. Shout out, shout out the deal. <laughs> yeah, Maryland only NBC. had one game you had to kind of pay to watch. That's a good point, Peacock. What what game was that? Was that? I think it was the Nebraska, Nebraska game. Nebraska game, yeah, yeah. Couldn't pay me to watch that. Okay. Shout out, shout out, Jack Howes, uh, kicking that field goal there. Shout out, oh, he your brother, very nice. Yeah, <laughs> could have totally no, done. no relation there, but yeah. I will keep making that joke until one of the two is not the university. We could have done, we could have definitely done three moments, but we'll stick with two because you don't want to drain it out a little. Yeah, it wasn't the most fun fall sports season for for Maryland, but it was fun every every week listening to Brendan's terrific terp on Under the Shell. This is our last one for a little bit here. I'm going to have, like, withdrawals, Mike. Like, I'm going to be sitting here on Wednesday night and just – or Tuesday night and being like, oh, Cold my God. sweating. <laughs> I'm not hearing on <laughs> right now. Brendan, send me who's the best recent Maryland great. Um, but, yeah, B, what do you got for us? All right. Uh, I didn't know about this person, but honestly, pretty pretty cool story. I wonder if Mike's heard of him. All right. Tom Young. He doesn't look like he knows him. All right. Tom Young is mostly remembered for basketball greatness outside of the University of Maryland but his collegiate career did get started in College Park. Young played basketball at Maryland for two seasons from 1952 to 1954. Then, maybe you'll catch on from a theme from last week's Trivic Terp, he left the team for 19 months to go on a tour with the U.S. Army in Germany. He came back for one season in 1957, where he was co-captain of the ACC championship team that ended up finishing sixth in the national rankings. Later that year, he got hired as the coach of, Mike, you want to guess what school? Maryland? No. <laughs> Catholic University. Oh, wow. He was the youngest ever youngest ever head coach there. We coached until 1967. He made another turn to the University of Maryland where he served as an assistant coach for a few years before heading back to being a coach in the DMV. At the helm of American, he coached for four seasons and did well enough to get his, himself a coaching job at Rutgers. He was at the head of the program in Piscataway for 12 seasons from 1973 to 1985, where he had four NCAA championships, and a winning percentage just over 670. His best year there was his third season with the Scarlet Knights, where he started out to a perfect 31-0, reaching the Final Four. With new recruits, and you know, for Rutgers, maybe they'll, they'll get back to the times of, of Young's reign, but for now, that remains the best record. Following the historic season, he was recognized as the 1975-1976 United Press International Coach of the Year. Following his 12 seasons at Rutgers, Young became the head coach at, from, at Old Dominion from 1985 to 1991 and finished his coaching career as an assistant in the NBA with the Washington Wizards. At the Wizards, he served under Eddie Johnson, who was a starting point guard in its historic Rutgers season. Young was truly a basketball great. He finished with a career record of 524-328, and 6-6 six and six in the NCAA tournament, 4-4 four and four in the NIT. He's in the Catholic University, Rutgers, and University of Maryland Hall of Fames and forever will be remembered as this week's Terrific Terp. And Brendan just closed it out with another terrific, terrific Terp to close this semester. Tom Young kind of just embodying what it's like as a coach, kind of bouncing around multiple spots. But that's it for us this semester. We're going to have an exciting spring season yes, coming up. You got Matt Swope in his first year as the head coach. You got lacrosse teams always good. And then you got the conclusion of our basketball Oops. season. So it's going to be a great time. But for now... We will see you guys in 2024. Guess what? You've got Under the Shell podcast. Nobody does it better.